Our scripture reading this morning is Romans six fifteen through 23. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more, uh, to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to the righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Morning. My name is Morgan, and I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to the Painted Door. I don't know why that was funny. Uh, um, so this past week, uh, we were spoiled with hints of spring in the air, which was amazing. Uh, the snow came and melted, and for a few days in a row, and for a few hours in those days, uh, you could feel the energy of spring um, reverberating all around us. Now. <clears throat> whether you notice this or not, uh, or whether you enjoy or take it for granted, um, seasons come and go, and they insist on our experience. We can't actually get away from them. They have us when they have us. And in the same way, uh, much of our lives are received in that way. Uh, the families we've been given, the space where your life is played out, um, you don't have much to choose uh, in that. And so, I uh, like the weather. The weather is the weather. Um, but it brings up some important questions about how, uh, how do we handle living in the decisions of others? Um, does that bring peace or panic, fear or love? Do we resist or do we enjoy? And where do we get our bearings from or where do we get our identity from? Uh, in this life that is not really uh, decided so much by us. Um, so with that said, uh, I'm going to do a little quick overview of what we've been looking at in Romans um, leading up to the scripture for today. Um, Romans begins with the Apostle Paul, uh, who is a servant of Christ Jesus. And he is called to preach the gospel. Uh, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And so why did he preach? He preached the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. And who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the church in Rome, though he's not really speaking as one who intimately knows the church in Rome, as far as issues or conflicts go, maybe in some of the other letters. Other than greeting the individuals at the end, he doesn't really say anything specific to those Roman Christians 
um, that would prevent us from receiving his words directly. So he's speaking to all of us, um, to the whole world, but specifically the church. And how one reads the scriptures in identifying the audience is actually incredibly important. Certain things are only said to certain persons. And so there's much to be learned in context um, to whom this or that may have been written to or for. Some is history. Uh, Some is the experience of the others, like the Psalms. Um, Some is gospel truth and doctrine. And then some scriptures are like reading like the lifeblood that is within us. Um, So I'm reviewing Romans today a little bit so that when we arrive at today's text, the rawness of our experience of faith uh, in Christ is felt and validated. Um, So Paul begins uh, his letter, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Uh, It is a power that is not ours, Uh, but it is in us, and it is for us, but it is not of us. And there's a really huge danger in theology, and certainly the more systematic types of theology um, that Romans is most often used for, is it's not really deciding what must be believed to be saved, which, even though that's all great and good, uh, it is describing a substance um, of a God-man that he is already saving. That is what he's doing. He's in the saving business, uh, the God-man, Jesus Christ, uh, who is both fully God and fully man. And then Paul begins to explain the gospel. Um, He begins with our natural understanding of his divine nature. And this is not a special understanding. It's actually common, extremely common. The birds and the bees know who God is. The flowers and the rocks know who God is. All things are animated in his divine light to the degree that is appointed to them, and they give God glory. Um, If you remember uh, in the um, triumphal entry, the Pharisees are rebuking Christ uh, because the the crowds are just going crazy. Um, And Jesus answered them, if they remain silent, the very stones will cry out. This life uh, is for all things. They, everything desires worship. Worship is what we were made for. Um, but unlike the rocks, humanity was given uh, some agency to pull away uh, from the light of God's glory. And pulling away is exactly what we did. Uh, and, but to pull away from that glory is to pull away from life itself. All of us were made for divine connection, made for love and made for glory. To not know his Holy Spirit in the interior of our souls is spiritual death. And the flourishing of the creature is just always left best in the hands of the creator. So, in the old story um, that we all know, Satan, uh, our enemy, led our parents down his own footsteps and plucking for ourselves knowledge that only God can bear. Such a prideful disobedience. A foolish, foolish attempt to get closer to God by our own strength. Um, and this unleashed 
guilt, and corruption into the whole human race. This order of God, oh, I'm sorry, this order of law that God allowed humanity to choose enslaved us. This laboring that we do under this knowledge of right and wrong is completely unnatural. Uh, The judgment is in before we even begin. Everything that was free and good in humankind turned inward. Obedience before God is only given. It is never, ever earned. From this place of interior death, we begin dealing in death. And outwardly, we fight our siblings, we disobey our parents, we rage. We rage at our children and our spouses. And in this, the whole world, the mouth is shut. We cannot know obedience because we seek obedience from a very cursed and dark place. Our self-righteous hearts, though, (laughs) when we see the law and we get that sense of a little knowing in our heads, um, we so often use it to craft agreements for human life with each other, uh, but the most biggest waste of time is doing it with God. We just writing like treaties or presenting contracts to Him. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I imagine my life in my twenties was so much about like, well, if I do this, uh, can I get this? And if I do this, if I not do this, will He do this? Um, and sure, Adam and Eve failed. Um, and humanity failed, but perhaps we think we're thinking maybe through Christ, the law offers to us a renewed way to obtain or maintain or merit relationship with God. No, (laughs) please stop. He is not interested in any of that. He doesn't play that game at all. So the end of chapter three in Romans introduces the one and only way um, to remove ourselves out of this divine wrath and self-destruction, and that is uh, the righteousness of God. That is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is Christ, the death eater. He is Christ, the sin destroyer. And at the cross, at the historical cross, free forgiveness poured from his wounds, bleeding and dying as one mediator between God and man. Christ's cross finished his purpose in becoming man, perfecting for all time all who would come to him, establishing saving power within himself. So, so how does this cross meet and greet the sinner? So the next step in describing this rescue goes to where human experience begins. In Romans 4, um, and a little bit at the end of 3, we speak entrance of faith. And this is a place where the individual sinner clashes with the historical Christ and the ever-present Christ who pursues us and saves us by his spirit. And this gift of faith is forgiveness. God forgives us, not because he has opened a bank account of righteousness within us, but because Jesus Christ 
has purchased us with his blood. And on the merits of his blood, he forgives us and sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. You're spoken for. And why does he forgive us? The cross of Christ. And how does he forgive us? It is the gift of faith. This faith equals forgiveness. And Christ comes to us by faith. Faith is God making himself alive to you. To be forgiven is a resurrecting and creating act. The call to life is a joining to forgiveness, and this forgiveness is a person, and it's Jesus. Romans is hilarious. There's just, all throughout the book, there's these words in, like forgiveness, righteousness, love, grace, that is, they're just hidden secret names for God himself. Um, in verse 17 of chapter 4, Uh, We read, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And this is one of the huge major difficulties with learning scripture and doctrine is learning the place and the emphasis in like in light of experience and the journey that is happening right now. Um, So where are like where is this this Romans four? Where is this in our spiritual journey? This event is being described So, like, when is it happening? And it's happening, the forgiveness moment is a resurrection moment. Um, It's so easy to forget that, actually, uh, that faith is resurrection. I mean, if you grew up in the church, it's like that, it's almost like that feeling has been taken from you. um, Because it it happened so long ago when you were a kid, maybe, or... uh, the power seems to be missing. It's not connecting. Um, but it is truly, truly like when Christ was standing outside the, to- the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And we awake to relationship. That is what forgiveness is saying. It is a proclamation to you that lifts you from the grave. And so with that in Romans 4 and then Romans 5 and 6, the shift begins to happen from the perspective of individual faith into the perspective of union with Christ. It is as if we have stumbled out of the grave and we're like looking at the sun, trying to find our bearings and learning the lay of the land. And pretty much the rest of our time in Romans um, will be describing the lay of the land. So we are going through what we're in six now, seven and eight, and we'll stop there. Uh, that those chapters, all it is is describing the lay of the land. What are the exterior cosmic realities that Christ has bought and paid for, and how do they shape and form our interior realities? So you've been given the gift of faith. Now what? What does that free gift of righteousness look like and feel like? And it looks and feels like the whole Christ in our union with his past and his present and his future. Language here, the language in Romans 5 and 6 just completely takes off uh, and stretches the imagination. It's like he's, God is constantly playing with like cross, resurrection, death, life, sin, grace, at the foot of the cross, in the embrace of Christ, filled with resurrection power, looking at the cross from the outside, looking from the cross from the inside. 
this obedience of Christ is just, it's like you're in the middle and it's spinning and spinning around you. It is first for you, now it is in you. The historical, the legal ideas about salvation give the structure and formation and foundation for a very personal and experiential uh, learning of Christ. And to me, this is <laughs> this place is one of the most exciting places in all the scriptures. There, there these day-to-day realities of where all of us live as God's children. All of scripture is here for us, um, but not all scripture is like directly to us. But this right here is the heart and soul of the saints of God. Uh, and the beauty of it all is truly overwhelming. So, on to our scripture for today. Romans six fifteen and 16. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Paul, rightly so, is anticipating that his hearers won't even come close to how, to how all-encompassing this nature of grace. Actually, all is grace. And so, and then, hence, this analogy of slavery. Um, and so why the language of slavery? Is that appropriate? Uh language to describe our union with Christ. Uh, I believe so. I'm just going to agree with scripture there. Yes, yes it is. Uh, in verse 19, though, a little, bit, um, a little bit more down, it says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. And our natural limitations are not... It's because we don't want to believe love, actually. <laughs> we, are, we can't it's our hearts are so stuck in, in transaction, and we just cannot get unconditional love the way scriptures teach unconditional love. Uh, but the, I also feel like that language of slavery, slavery really validates the rawness of our experience. Because um, the harsh reality uh, is that Jesus is really not that interested in saving us from harsh realities. <laughs> Uh, there seems to be only two options with humanity, um, and both are actually described as slavery in the scriptures. One is of sin, and one is of grace. And in both, we are dead to rights. Scripture is always describing to us something that is far greater than we can understand, or far worse than we can understand. Um, You are slaves... To the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. <laughs> Paul's language here, uh, I love it because it's like union of Christ. It's like the fire is getting so hot and the, it's like the wood is just falling apart. Uh, language is just beginning to fail. He's basically saying, do you obey obedience? Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, language just beginning to fail the nature of our union because it's, it's so much better, actually, uh, and it's wonderful. <laughs> we just don't quite get it. Romans six seventeen and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin 
have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So how do the exterior realities shape and form our interior realities? And experientially, the power of the gospel just sweeps us up. This power of Christ that we know through his spirit is not the type of energy that is waiting for our permission or approval or even God's approval as if his economy is some series of toll booths God has already approved. And it is God who makes you live. So yes, Christian, he has made you obedient from the heart by faith. It is not a doctrine about him or a thought about him, but his ever-present spirit that invades and fills our souls with Christ's life and presence. We believe because even though we were dead, Christ made us alive. We believe because somewhere in the tangled mess that we call our souls, we have experienced a true indwelling of Christ through his Holy Spirit. Romans six nineteen, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. The nature by which Christ saves us is just downright reckless. His incarnation, I mean, we can start there, from beginning to end was completely upside down, as you could possibly get. The way and the life giving himself up to sin and death so that sin and death become instruments in his saving grace. Everything is at his disposal. Our evil he uses for our good. Our pain he uses for our comfort. Our weaknesses he uses for our healing. As our savior, he gives us doses of both his death and his life at the same time. And this finished work of Christ, this historical cross, is not meant to take away from all the confusion that that is. <laughs> uh, it does not belittle or make void just the ridiculous, ridiculously messy experience that faith is. It, but it actually makes experience safe. It makes experience alive. It makes experience begin and end in the love of our Heavenly Father, not a divine taskmaster. This life with Christ is a life with God who both initiates love towards you, invites love from you. Responds with joy to the love he receives from you. Like a mother or father with their child, but with a love far greater than any love parents can have for their children. So Romans six twenty through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from those things from which you are now ashamed? But the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. And the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fruit you get from this relationship with God is obedience. 
First and foremost, this gift of faith is obedience. And once you have faith, it's a stream of obedience that's constantly coming through you from the heart of Jesus Christ. I mean, to pray, to desire him, to say his name, to come to church. <laughs> you were brought here, you guys, <laughs> by Christ. Uh, obedience and holiness are never really categories that we get much into our control because the type of obedience that Christ is asking for is surrender to his love and mercy. And his spirit is within you is always obedient, always ready to be participated with to live in the obedience of Jesus Christ is to live in God's love and to know love to see yourself To know love, begin to see yourself from the perspective of Christ. Our hearts are so stubborn, uh, and we need this convincing of God's unfailing love. This is why in times of great sin or suffering, those times where you thought that Christ would not let that happen to you, are God's favorite times to turn up the heat of his grace um, for sinners like us. And we find him waiting at the bottom So, Christian, what is, what is Christ saying to you at the bottom? <laughs> He's saying, I've had you this whole time. His love is true. And his love is pure. Um, so, beginning at chapter 6, uh, Paul sets the sacrament of baptism before us to teach and inform us about the nature of being united to Christ. And I will add um, to that illustration uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And I think the, these, two, uh, these two signs of our union with Christ really, really get at what I'm trying to say. Is like there's, it's like the, you're kind of back and forth between them always. You're always kind of shifting and moving um, around these two understandings of being in Christ and having Christ in you. Um, and what should never be forgotten is that you are participating with the whole Christ. So, in closing, in closing, angry, fearful, and wounded children, he has taken you as you are. Christ is alive, and Christ is free, and Christ is yours. He has lavished you in God's love. So raise your head again, and look on him who made an end to your sin. Union with Christ by faith alone is the good news of the gospel. His presence is within you, it is around you, the indwelling Holy Spirit is Christ with you. Christ is not distant. You are surrounded. It is Christ himself that is most good about the gospel. And we are surrounded. This love of the Father, the cross of the Son, the giving of Christ to us through his Spirit, conforming us to Christ, Christians, surrender. <laughs> Stay and learn from him. 
Let us admit what is ours and be sanctified by it. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for everyone um, who has uh, came here today. Uh, thank you for sending us Jesus, uh, for meeting us again with his gospel. Uh, just raise us up, Lord. Confront our lies, Jesus, um, our poor imagination, imaginations, uh, and just raise us up, Lord, to see you as you are. In your precious name, amen.